Hello, Mixed Neck. This is an episode of Ghibli. In a little while since we've done an intro to Ghibli Tech. Hi, with me as always. Hi, I'm Tech. And our hi, good friends. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm Jen. And we have a guest. Hi, I'm you. <laughs> That's right. It, and usually it's, it's just the four of us for Ghibli cast, but you asked way back, leave it was, was very disheartened. <laughs> I was very drunk. Let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> he asked us if he, a guess on, so we are a re- second movie that was released by. It's uh, it, I had no idea what it was. Um, I just knew that he wanted to be on it. And then I, I loaded it up on Netflix, said 68% match, and a little worried. On another one of Hugh's favorite things. <laughs> and then we did. And no, we will not be another one of Hugh's favorite things. You can rest in sec. You watched it with me. We I, watched it on Netflix. I did. And we knew nothing about this. Not a thing. Well, there's one thing I knew. Mm-hmm. In other languages, the title of that movie is pretty <laughs> vulgar. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And we decided to watch it last night with Jen and Jen, thinking that they had both seen it already, but Jen. Yeah, I had not seen it. Jen was, is a newbie. So what is it a, oh my God, I don't want to watch it, or it just sort of slipped you by? It slipped by. Like, both me and Jason thought that I had seen this, but the first couple scenes, I was like, I don't remember any of this. And then as we kept going, I was like, yeah, I've never seen this one. And Jason, how did you watch it? Oh, way back, Blu-ray collecting. I, um, actually, not even Blu-ray collecting. When I started watching a lot more anime movies, I started collecting the Ghibli films because... He has the biggest library, or they have the biggest library it, when it comes to cinematic movies. So I just started watching them all and came across Castle in the Sky. And it's awesome because of why some characters in it exist. And it's a good movie. So I first came across Castle in the Sky as a fan sub in the summer of 2000, the year before I went into college, having really just seen um, Princess Mononoke in the theater and being starving for more Ghibli. Um, and, you know, a friend of a friend through, you know, my local anime fan said, well, you have to see this one. Uh, and so I did watch it fan sub, and it has been kind of my favorite of his ever since. All right, so we are going to dive into this, but before we do, we are going to patent the summary. The Castle in the Sky, also known as Pippi Longstocking 2, The Air Pirate Years. <laughs> And and that joke makes no sense unless you get that weird little tidbit of information. So for the third time, Jason, repeat this little tidbit. So as we know, Miyazaki likes adapting old children. He's done Secret World of Arrietty. Um, You know, Isao Takahata did The Tale of the Bamboo Cutter, which is kind of a fairy tale. Um, and Ghibli wanted to do a Pippi Longstockings. Well, he they could never get it to to go get it off the ground. So he took the ram the shambles of one of the characters from that and made the mama character in this, who for all intents and purposes is Pippi Longstocking, a sky she, pirate. And yes. yeah, so it, it's an older matronly character leading a gang of air pirates, but she's got she still has like the braids sticking out of the side of her head and the red hair, the red hair, absolutely. There is a blink and you miss it scene, like where she's going into her bedroom to find uh, a uniform for Shita, where the where you can see like a portrait of her. Yeah, it's definitely like a swagger portrait of her younger, and it's just Pippi Longstocking. Yeah, it's one hundred percent. We actually went back 
and rewound it, uh, Tech was like, he's posing just like Pink. Yeah. And I go back and I'm like, that is amazing. So do you think Mama's as strong as 10 police officers? I don't know if she can I... lift a horse one-handed, but... Uh... <laughs> well, maybe she used to. Arthritis sets in in the shoulders yeah. and, well... That was... uh, but didn't, she didn't was, she like... was destroying the, those uh, tra- train trestles with a car... True. So I'm going to go with yes. And she also is carrying around that Vietnam era M60 like it was a pistol. And she happens to be in the same universe in the sky, do a full-blown squat, lift her up on a plank. Betty, we talked about this. It's He was on his lunch break about to go eat some chonko. He's been training for the He's That's been right, training right. for the for, for third division. His uh, mining company sumo statue. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That, that boy does amateur sumo. Did you see them legs? So uh, do, do you want to go back to your summary? Oh, that's it. Pippi Longstocking okay. 2. That's that, that pretty much. Well, it's it's Pippi Longstocking 2 meets Evangelion. Okay. Giant monsters called angels are attacking the earth. A child is the only weapon. We have to stop them. Let's form entire government agents to foster and herald this child forward so that they can protect us from the angels. All you need is a banging theme song. And uh, this is this is just Evangelion, the 1880s version. I will say that. Muska is not less of a dick than uh, Gendo. <laughs> well, that I, is true. If he turned out to be Lapiatz's father, it would he would it would have put him in contention to be in my top five bad anime dads of all time. <laughs> Instead point, of just her cousin. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, Muska was giving a speech, and I remember telling Jason that what he really needs is white gloves in his mouth while he speaks, and he would just be the dad from Evangelion. Yeah, he would just be Shinji's dad. The worst. Like it is a it is literally a toss up between Goku Shinji. Shinji's dad and Hujiro Hanma from Baki as to who is the top dog of worst anime dads. <laughs> but the thing with Goku is that he's not like a maliciously bad dad like those other two. He's just too much of a himbo to be a, a parent. <laughs> he's just negligent. He's just completely negligent. He still knows he has a son. He's just, ah, it'll be fine. He's got superpowers. <laughs> so the name, Lapu, yeah. which, which I possibly could dub because it's a swear in spanish taco but, but they work very they work very very taco, hard taco castle in the sky yeah, tacos <laughs> the castle in the sky they work very very hard they've changed the pronunciation and they you know yeah. they they say la puta they they, la puta. they they put the they put the emphasis on the first a not the u which would completely change the meaning uh can i can i say what that translates to on this podcast you you can't say the word oh. well it means a person of negotiable affection yes. except used as a slur yeah you dirty lady of the evening yes now it is a uh based on jonathan swift's gulliver's travel and hayao miyazaki took that as the nation not know about the translation till afterwards but it is believed that Jonathan Swift likely did know when he used the title, when he, when, was, when he came up with the word. When was Gulliver's written? That's another one for me. 1726. Oh, wow. I'm way off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really early. And he was kind of um, considered the inventor of black comedy. Well-educated, satirist. He very well invented. Mm-hmm. And, um, but had Hayao Miyazaki known anything else. Well, this is like Chevrolet making a car called the Nova and then realizing in Spanish that means it doesn't run. Well, it, 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 in, in Spanish countries, it had a different name and a different dub. <laughs> hey, kids, do you want to come watch this movie? This movie? Well, yeah, I, could, I, will... I 
I, I, I can just imagine a bunch of Spanish teenagers sitting somewhere, oh my god, did you see the name of that new cartoon movie? We gotta go see it. They sneak into the theater. They're all being crafty. They sit down. It's like, it was. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. So, um, of translation issues, uh, Anglishita's name is spelled very carefully because it would be an I, not to. And Disney said, for obvious reasons. So, I don't know if you came across this by mm. you. But do you guys have any idea what the budget? Uh, I yeah, I saw it on three million. Yeah, it's it was five hundred million yen at the time, so that's the equivalent of three million. Yeah, and it, it made six. Yeah, but here's the thing: Do you know what movie and tech? You should know what movie beat it. What beat its budget? Uh, only a year later, animated. Yes, the no, wings. That was hmm? The wings of Oniyami. Oh, oh okay. sweet. And now, how many cells did the wings of Aniyami have? Oh, yeah, I'm nowhere near. Except, <laughs> except in the explosions, but they or, didn't or last when, the entire movie like the ones in this one did. Yeah, or when there was a really nice spaceship on screen. Oh, yeah. So this movie, and I read this last night, um, 29,200 traditional cells. And wow. they used 300 in 1986. That is more colors than... Any computer used at that time, let alone I remember when Mac came out. I believe Mac was still at a scene color at color, so that's that's amazing. That's the that's the beauty you can do that. You're, if you want your character cape to be a particularly movish of pinky russet, you can make. Okay, Terry Pratchett. Oh, Douglas Adams. Sorry. If you want it to be a particular shade of movish pinky russet, you absolutely paint. Sorry, I thought you were. No, no, uh, Octorine, Octorine, I think he said he was disappointed that it was always just a greeny brown. Um, and, and along with that comes so many dead airs. I mean, the enemy is amazing, and it it's kind of blows me away considering um some of the Ghibli movies that came after. But I we're talking about, but um, I really do think that the, a lot of the techniques used in this were then used in Princess Mononoke, and this really is the precursor entire genocide of animators that was Princess Mononoke. Okay, so let me try to understand what happened in the. So we've got. It's a cold open. It's a giant being raided by air pirate little dragonfly scooter thing. Uh, led by mom, who I really thought was Tress McNeil doing her mom the um, uh, mom the uh, the industrialist from Mom's Friendly Robot Cup from Futurama. But no, it turns out that that's not Tress McNeil at all. That's Cloris Leachman, the dub wheelers who. So, yeah. Which then brings up the question of crud. Has Tress McNeil just been doing a Cloris Leachman impersonation this entire time? And I'm too dumb to. But. Uh, Anyway, air pirates come. There's a little girl aboard the airship. Little girl is wearing a magical blue amulet. Well, she's not wearing it. They've taken it from her, and it's in her jacket. Right. And she chooses violence. Right. So, <laughs> so now I have a question. So, so this is this is my question here. There's a guy on the airship in a brown suit, neckerchief, mm-hmm. glasses. He, uh, as they start getting attacked by the air pirates, he gets on the radio, which to me looked like he was signaling for help. She comes in with the fire extinguisher, brains the dude, runs, falls off the, and um, is you know falls down the airship, and then cue the opening credit sequence. But why did she brain that dude with the fire extinguisher? Maybe I blinked and missed it. Um, I- it may not be in the dub. Um. In the unedited version of the movie, he's got her her stone in his pocket. So okay. she brains him with a wine bottle, reaches into his jacket, and gets it. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. I appreciated that kind of storytelling because in just a matter of seconds, we learn she is not traveling with someone to trust. She is being held captive. Right. So th- that was the inference yeah. that I got there. It's like what they were trying to tell us is that she'd already been kidnapped once. And now she was about to get kidnapped twice. And okay. I got the heavy impression, boy, I was getting... Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the gang led by mom. And it wasn't until I saw how many boys were crew that I realized, okay, this... And then during the opening credit sequence, the, the, the little girl who felt... You notice that this world is islands, floating islands that are mechanically floating. Like, islands have a structural base with with propellers that are keeping them afloat in the air. She falls in between islands, between the levels, and then is slowly come to a fall uh, on one of the lower islands where we meet our boy, Patsu, or well, I call him well, Lil Techie 3. And a big part of that is it's the opening, it's the opening credits, and it's very yeah. artistic and stylized. And this is... Right, so what, what that's actually showing is it's showing the past of when Laputa was... Success- that's what the world was like when Laputa was the Empire. And now everyone just lives on the ground and Laputa's a legend. So she's not actually following falling through those islands. It's just like showing the history as the opening sequence while ah, she's gotcha. falling. Okay. Yeah, but they do do a really good bit of foreshadowing because they have her make notice of the giant storm cloud a few times uh, to signify that, she, that Laputa's inside that storm because, um, you know, they reference it later when um, Patsu is showing the picture his father took. Um, they also reference it later when she sees the cloud and Patsu sees the cloud. And they always make mention that on the other side is Laputa. Um, yeah, in- so it's literally looming over the first half of the movie. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I like in that sequence is that is um, a very stylized technique that very much um, Hayao Miyazaki's drawing style. So, so, And they do use that again. Uh, when they do a flashback of the damaged robot falling to earth. Um, so that's how you can sort of tell that that's supposed to be a, like a flashback. Uh, and, th- and if you've ever read any of Hayao Miyazaki's uh, manga, that's in the style. That's in that and same style. The, the, what sucks is that it looks, it looks very minimalist if you look at it on the surface, but then you start paying attention to how much is moving and how many lines there are because he's doing a facsimile of like almost like old school, like Nickelodeon style artwork. Yeah. Like, well, like, like almost like etchings. Yes. Yes. But the, but the lines in the etching are animated. Poor, an- poor animation department. I, oh I, yeah. Like the opening sequence killed like five guys by itself. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel, but the art style reminds me of the art style of the Hendrix gin. TV commercial that they look like Victorian or cutout animation. Yes, that would be done on a d- done, of course, satiric the seven is by the Python. Yeah, you know, that's the, Terry Gilliam. The, 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 ter- the yeah. Terry Gilliam. You know, and but in the thing about it is, I feel like in this early period in Ghibli's history, Miyazaki did not like Miyazaki's basically like, look, I'm going to make a movie. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. But when it's done, the world will love you. And that's kind of what he did because the animation sequences in this movie are everywhere. Like we get through the the credits and Laputa's necklace activates and the the just the energy coming off the necklace ruined the lives of several dozen animators. Like And uh, I, I was thinking as I was watching and this is this was the first the tropes that this used in a up to today and well in but this is the OG. This mm. is the start of a lot of these tropes. Like here, we see a young brunette 
with a blue seed around her neck that holds imaginable power that could stop the destruction of the world. And there's one young boy and a government who has checked her and save her. All he needed was to be, uh, Patsu needed to be green and have blades on his arm. And next thing you know, you've got blue seed. I mean, but. She is the Kushinada. The Kushinada. Exactly. Talking yet again, old school anime from my childhood that I really enjoyed. But the thing is that now I know where all these tropes come from. They come from this movie. Because this predates pretty much everything except Gundam and Galaxy Express 3.9. Um, man, <laughs> I mean, put, the, put those three together. Oh man! Well, it's I mean, it's very much um, Miyazaki taking some of the tropes that he was playing with in uh, Lupin the Third, and then sort of applying that to more of a children's adventure genre, and then uh, throwing in a ton of airships and such, such in it because Miyazaki kind of Miyazaki Lupin out before this movie seventies. Um, really? Yeah, he did the he did Lupin in the seventies. Okay. Like that's what he did before starting um, Studio Ghibli. Oh, okay. Wow. And then so like he he did loop in the third he made Nausicaa Valley of the Wind and then he was like now I get to do what I want to do and it's going to break a lot of people's wrists and his loop in the third movie is after this but it was likely because he'd so many of the 70s which one's the movie that's yeah. that's Cagliostro his, his movie is Cagliostro awesome so we got it coming up like a movie yep. or two yep and it's still considered probably one of the greatest Lupin movies and it and it's probably the most beautiful animated uh there's a clock tower scene in that movie that is prop that's that probably killed more animators than we would ever know so i i my last thoughts on that because it's based on a french story i play a heck of a lot of on that episode because <laughs> i want all of you to try to pronounce that correctly because i'll just tell you now it's not Lupin. it's <laughs> Lupin. Lupin. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, now, don't worry, bro, don't worry, friends. We'll get there. But now I will say um, there are more references to other anime in this, or, or anime other anime has taken references from this. Oh, I mean, yeah. just yeah. from the, the brawl between the miners and the brothers is basically Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist versus the baker's wife, husband, where they have a flex off and tear through their shirts to show their muscly man friendship. Oh my like, god, it's so good. I yes. Like, I, it was it was so good such a that, great fight. that flex off, but also how so so um the young girl Sheeta, she falls this mining village and it's village. They all have somebody there's guys they're after my they're like, okay, we're gonna help you, Ponyo, mm-hmm. come inside. That looks like so much. Um, and um, Miyazaki actually based around after or during a coal mm-hmm. miner, wow. and um, he was so impressed with how together to build that into uh, this movie. So I, I, I was very impressed. And by the way, where Cheetah is from, that in village he's talking about the pair modern the, day, the country, the country, not the, yeah, not, not the, the, not y'all Georgia, not y'all Georgia, <laughs> not U.S. Georgia, but yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's one of the one of the things people I don't think give Miyazaki enough credit for is the fact that Miyazaki never draws things. Um, he draws from experience. We see it in like the special features when he's like the reason why the girls move like little girls is because I just watched my children and drew my children. Right. And, you know, and when like with when, when we see with, say, um spirited away you know he's basically telling the story of a little girl who doesn't want to grow up and has to leave her friends and he's again going off his own daughters and the life that he has led with them it's he he draws what he knows and so knowing that he saw this this minor strike 
and was like, these people are are something I want to represent. And he represents them in a great light because they all care about everyone. And they don't know this girl for anything. Nope. And this is a small town. All Patsu has to say is pirates are after her. And now there's a brawl in the street to protect this girl they don't know. Mm-hmm. And it just... It's just really, really good what he does. Now, I do want to mention a couple of things. So we, so th- it had English dub by another company. Disney yeah. redid the dub in 1998, but couldn't release in because Mononoke did not do so well. Yeah. Um, so, so that company who did that original dub is notorious. It was streamlined. Um, is that stream- the one that he sent the katana? To? I I don't know, but I'll, okay. I'll I, I know Streamline is known for like especially nowadays when you go back and look at stream and dubs. He like, sent the katana to Harvey Weinstein. Oh, that's right, that's right. He did. Did he really? Yes. yes we, which we like maybe in hard in retrospect, don't give that guy a weapon. But um, it's fair. It's fair. But that we we understand the sentiment, Miyazaki. Yes. I think a lot of people want to send him a... He should have used it. So, you know, for its intended... So, I know I shouldn't be calling for a little bit of shit. So, uh, when dubbed it, though, um, there's a lot of, like, changes, like adding the background chatter, some one-liners, uh, times when not a lot of people are talking. Um, there's some sound effects that were added, but also they did more, and they asked... Um, I'm going to mispronounce this. Will help me. Joe uh, Hisashi? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh they they asked him to rework and extend it uh so that it would be an audience and the whole mix got a vast and it really is score all of did that did is proved by me and Miyazaki stop going over uh one of the big ch- after uh Ponzu Ishida joined the pirate suddenly all the pirate antic in in the Disney dub whereas they were looking at her another mom in other dubs so that's a big change yeah so I will say that, like, the the sequence is is that Dola is like, if you want to marry someone, marry someone like that girl. And then there's just, like, a whole sequence where they're, like, trying to help her out. Mm-hmm. But that movie does a lot to try and make the pirates seem less gay and fail spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, you mean, oh, you mean, you mean all the pirates in their white and pink Sunday best going to have a brawl? Like it was pink and brown and orange and that that's the only colors they were wearing. Yeah, and the, yeah. And Purple the one and white pink, the one outfit. had like a pink tank top or suspenders. Like yeah, you tell yeah. you telling yep. me you telling me Hugh that they didn't make them gay. They 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 yeah. couldn't stop the gay from coming through. But when when they showed up on the ground to eat your edges and they showed up on the ground to go to the mining village, all of a sudden they're wearing like like white three piece suits and bowlers. Mm-hmm. Yep. With pink accents? Oh, yeah. They, they also, were inconspicuous. They I'll tell you, look, cat, fresh look. Fresh look. You know, every, every girl and guy. Crazy for a sharp dress. Um, They did um have James Vanderbeek and Anna Paquin, who Anna Paquin was like six or seven recorded that, and Vanderbeek was probably a little bit older. Um, And they definitely were trying to sound like older, the way that they're depicted. But she says that we heard. Yeah. Accent, yes. But it's such a, and all I heard every time she talked was, Oi, my name's Cog. I like rocks. Um, that's <laughs> all I could hear. It's like, no, get out of my head, you. So that, that was, that was familiar with me because I have listened to radio station. Um, and so I, when we started playing it, I was like, oh, I know that. I, um, I will say for anybody, if you watch this on a, you will only. If you watch it on Netflix, where it is available internationally, you get the Disney score with the English, 
and you will get the original with the Japanese. So depending on which audio you will Japanese. Score. So we watched it on Netflix. We watched it on Netflix. And so did Jen and Jason. We watched it together. But one yeah. of the things I enjoy doing with that one, you watch it with English dub, there's discrepancies, which is bound to happen because translation is an art, not... Right, uh, and, and often um, that translation does take into account ADR. Right. So so they're matching what the lip movements look like more yeah. than, than what... As long, in addition to what they're saying, right. right. So, but really, like watching both because they're true of what they did because some they're captured and mm-hmm. uh, combined, you get a and um, it's like watching a movie. T- um, and uh, I have nothing to fault. I found the dub that we. I I, I never felt like that was never one of those all your base are belong to us moments. I thought it was really well done. And the score um, uh, did exactly what it was there. But I'll be honest, I couldn't. None of it was very memorable. But it did exactly the job that you want to fault and not praise. Mm-hmm. The things as you're going through these Ghibli films, when it's not a Joe Hisashi soundtrack, you know it. Um, he, it's why he's done the most of them. Um, and it's why Miyazaki keeps coming back to him. That's why Studio Ghibli keeps coming back to him is that he does a really, really good job. Um, as for the dubs and the subs, I find it interesting that Disney has done this dub twice. Because they have two separate dates for the original 1998 dub, which has the same cast, and the 2000 dub. Um, I think the reason why they have to do two separate dates is because they've changed some things. Um, intrinsically, like, when we see Mama coming to the village and she's looking through the spyglass at her boys having the brawl, in one dub she mumbles something of the nature, leave it to my boys to start a riot. While and then it goes into what we heard in the last night, and I, I, you know, again, I may be wrong, but I've got this version with the Blu-ray version, which has the updated 2000s dub, mm. but I also have the original two-disc set that he did from way back. And one of the things that they usually do is I, I would, I'm surprised they redid the dub in any way because even with the Miramax released or distributed through Miramax Princess Mononoke, they kept a lot of that dub and a lot of the special features on that. Like a lot of the Disney later releases that were two disc sets have an intro from John Lasseter that they keep. So I'm just really surprised mm. that they went through the effort to change that dub so much. Um, and I'm kind of missed the introduction from John Lasseter because John Lasseter for a while was introducing them all because basically once Disney realized that they fired him and he made the company that was going to make them billions upon billions of dollars for the next a hundred million years, uh, they started giving him these cushy assignments. Like he was the guy to see Miyazaki when he came to visit Disney. You know, he was the one going to Japan to check out Ghibli Studios. Like they're like, don't worry, John. We love you, guy. Here you go. The one difference that all of this right. is based so powers entire magic powerful society that's powered by gold, which the original was it violet? It's, it's something like, it's like Voliusite. Yeah, yeah Volus. And then in the English dub, it, Ethereum. I like Ethereum better, to be fair. Not the cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just easier to pronounce. Yeah. Like if you're gonna give a give a give a weird space rock a MacGuffin name, then I think you know, something easy to pronounce, something that can roll off the tongue is is, is right up there. You they know? also, well, it was like dragon, what they were calling the clouds. It was something, some kind of a dragon. Dragon Yeah, layer. it's like the dragon's nest. The dragon's lair, yeah. And in the dub, it was a hurricane. They uh-huh. said, that's a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, says dragon's lair. hurricane, hurricane, you know, like just comparing those. Yeah, and I think it's just sort of like a, 
an actual nautical term in Japanese that they either directly translated and then sort of fixed. Yeah. Although when we see the inside of that storm, there are almost lightning-like representations of dragons in the transition from the outside of the storm to the mm-hmm. inside nucleus. Mm-hmm. So they they could have it could they could have literally translated it, and that's why it was animated as such. I kind of like it because it gives the storm a supernatural essence to it, even though this is all supposed to be like high science that you know is indistinguishable from magic you know what i'm saying like yeah so i, I, so I do like that and you see that with i don't know the weirdo robot angel character that sort of shows up erect you know one wing <laughs> arm pinkish it looks like it like sea anemones or some type of like aquatic life that's sort of wiggling away inside this robot so yeah what, what is it is it alive is it a machine is it whatever it's powered by it by ethereum it's, um, you know, it, it is, you know, technology that's indistinguishable from magic. And then it starts laying waste to absolutely everything. Well, yeah. so so the thing is, is that, and I think this is interesting because Muska talks about it as science and Sheeta talks about it as magic. Yeah. Like right. she's just like, yeah, I know a bunch of spells that are in fact code words for the equipment. Right. And I think when we talk about the technology and the people of Laputa, we have to talk about the references that it makes to Nausicaa because the prophecy in Nausicaa was that a great warrior clad in blue walking on a field of gold would save them. It would become friends with the Ohm and save the people. And what we see in Nausicaa is the giant, you know, warrior that literally is a giant version of the robot we see in this. The only difference is that is that it wasn't complete and fell apart, but it was the same basic body shape as we see as the the robot in this. But that's not the only references because the again, that, yes, the the little baby fox squirrels that are in this are also are are in Nausicaa, but also call them what they are, Jason. Those <laughs> are Jolteons. Those are EV evolutions, electric Listen. type. Listen, I have to avoid Pokemon right now because I we got we got confirmation that this coming up Pokemon season will be the very last Pokemon for Ash. He and yes. Pikachu will be evil. It saddens my heart. <laughs> um, but also the prophecy, the character shown in the prophecy in this is the same. You know, or Steve just, left Blue's Clues too, right? Like he, he came back. He came back. People forever. Ah, uh-uh, he came back. He's back. Yeah. Yeah, but he's still not done. There's like seven Steves. There was two Aunt Vivians. There can be more than one Ash. You'll exactly. be fine. You know, um, but uh, in the journal, we see where the dad... There's even multiple Mr. Hoopers. <laughs> that is true. Um, but no, when he shows the picture of what he thinks the people would look like, that is an image of what they have as the warrior from Nausicaa. So there's yes. multiple tie-ins to Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. So Tech, when we were watching this, you asked me if this was a sequel to Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. I kind of wanted to be like, maybe, but Nausicaa could also be kind of a prequel. Like... Because we also see some of the same type of vegetation to go the, along the with the same level of life. technology. Yeah, I think that a lot of it is just that that's like the where um, Miyazaki's wheelhouse is. So it's their stylistic choices. So w- so they're like it's kind of like they're they're different Final Fantasy games. Yeah, it's and luckily Fair. he's not like Rumiko Takahashi. He can draw more than one. So what what really sort well... of. <laughs> what really what really sort of angers me here with this robot angel character. So we have a toned colored sort of mechanical robot that's very big, very, very heavy, with one mm-hmm. laser beam for an eye, can destroy its path, has no care or concern anyone except one girl. 
And the entire thing, the entire sequence is the army chasing this thing, trying to limit its destruction with absolutely no way of stopping it. I'm like, this is Black Magic 56. <laughs> this is the first Masamune Shiro story. You've li- li- at this point take anyone under the age of thirty. What? What? Yeah, Masamune Shiro, the guy that did Ghost in the. Sh- um, that's okay. I mean, I don't know all of the ages of miners, but of but quite a few that I know, most of them over thirty-five. We're here's, good. Here's the horrible part: the Black Magic. Has- no. Which means my boy Masamune, but I know it was based on a manga. They were they were probably contemporary. So whatever work inspired them inspired them both the same, I'm going to say, because as much as I would love to see a Masamune Shiro Hayao Miyazaki grudge match over who ripped off who, man, why can't I get that on Celebrity Deathmatch? Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share my highs. My highs for this are there's even though it's a perilous situation, there are choice throughout. I absolutely love Dola. I love grown-up Pippi Long. She's amazing. I love the form, the strong character of Kiki. I mean Sheeta. Because um, oh, she mean, does you mean, just like Kiki. Oh, you mean every strong female character Miyazaki's ever made because he doesn't understand how to make it's a weak good. female she character? She can handle this. She's from the mountains. She raises cattle. She knows what to do. Um, and um, I just, I just love everything about it. There's joy and drive. You know, the plot holes don't matter. I just had fun beautiful i cared about the characters and the one voice by big james week i mean like okay, don't forget, i'll look, I'll look don't past forget, that don't forget andy dicks in this too i know he didn't even ruin it um he ruins everything that's okay because <laughs> sorry was, andy he, he, we balanced him no, out with mandy care. patinkin and right. he makes everything better so and you jim know. cummings and jim cummings is in this as well yeah yeah it's really weird or tigger um <laughs> I just, I just, all I can hear is Pete. All I can hear is Pete. That's <laughs> like all I can hear is Pete from from Goofy. It's like I'm just like, why is Pete in this? But I, I love Hearts. this world. I love the beautiful, and it's one of the reasons why all the wacky. Also, there is that. Um, when we started watching it, you know, Tech Me right from the first scene, he's like, "This is going to be about social class commentary." Um, there is quite a bit of that punkness of that the mining town kind of standing up and the pirates. You know, you think they're the bad guys, but they're actually the good guys. And those are my high. Yeah, the the big high for it's a wonderful, um, it's a great story, great play, world building, world building. The the big big plus yet again another. Way. A skill, a team of highly imagineers, not just in the Disney sense, but like these are people that you think to and say, I have an idea, their job. They're... So when you say, I want characters in the late 1890s to be carrying a rifle, <laughs> it would be very easy for an animation department to go, okay, this is what a gun looks like. No, 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 they're carrying Enfield Mark 1s. <laughs> like, like. The, the the guns they're carrying, the guns on the side of the, the Goliath ship and on the sides of the Tiger Moth, and like that was a Vickers machine gun. Those, uh, the sides of the Goliath with those weird guns, that was based on French battleships battleship at the time. Like, they dove through history books to make sure that looked authentic. And who cares? It's a fantasy piece about flowing islands, floating islands, and a girl with a necklace. And me <laughs> and like two other people went and field number one, Mark three. Now, now tech, now tech, you are underplaying your reaction. <laughs> we were watching this and all we hear was they're cycling around. And like, it, it's this the high they were, That's a Webley. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Webley pistols, the way they were cycling the bolts, it was all. And like, I haven't out of out of a Masamune Shiro piece, you know, where or he has a Ghibli movie. 
where he because he's one of the Miyazaki's one of the others, right? Cares. But like Ghost in the Shell had a technical animation department that all they did was animate parts of guns and robots, not the the story, just making sure that the parts of the gun move perfectly. But this is steampunk. It didn't need this, but he's such a tickler that he did it anyways. Yeah. And I gotta give Matt. I, well, I'm I mean, also gonna throw Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. We've, I mean, we've seen him do this before, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if signatures. I don't, I don't know if I've shown you guys this yet, but I'll have to one day. Um, I can do that because I have it on DVD and not Blu-ray. Um, the special features on Spirited Away show them with sound equipment with the actual Audi that they were driving yes. on over cobblestone the co- over the cobbles, yeah. right, to make the yeah, proper yeah. noise. Um, mm-hmm. He, he could have, he could have picked. Any plane for Porco Road. It no, could no, no. draw me a plane from the 1920s. Okay, and they draw him a plane. Dude, no, no, I want that Savoia M20. And they went, okay, we're drawing this. I love yeah, that about. I love that about him. That that was. Yeah, you know, it's with Miyazaki. It's again one of the difference between someone who is good, someone who is great, and someone who is a legend are the details. And Miyazaki's a stickler for those details. I mean, look at the in this movie alone. Look at the Da Vinci style blueprints and architecture for these planes and the images on the wall of the blueprints. Uh, there was an orthonopter, right? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the in the workshop, the uh, in the mining, there is Da Vinci's or- orthonopter on the wall, and we even see it when 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 Patsu is helping them with the boiler for the mine. Um, he they, he he goes into such detail where. When they're grabbing the, the 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 valves, they're wearing heat resistant gloves. Oh, yeah. So much so that they pay attention to them putting them on to do so. And it's just that attention to detail that's the difference between something that's good and something that's great. Hey, Tech, what what kind of gun were the giant hand cannons? Um, they were very similar to something called a thumper, uh, which was a break open Vietnam era fullimeter grenade launcher. Um, but it could be what they really did look like to me was a old fat air pistol, just with longer barrels because using them as. Like- Is this the most violent we've seen of a Ghibli film this far? I mean, I know people are beheaded in Princess Mononoke. And I, well, Nausicaa well, I, had a full on war. I think that the thing is, is that this is a rollicking adventure theme, so it's film, so it's violent, but it's more cartoonishly violent. Like, there is a thing where Sheeta hits a guy with a shovel. Yeah, there are, but there are guys who die. And I mean... The like, the tr- the train you, operator releases boiling hot steam on two soldiers with that fall beside his train, and I'm like, oh, those guys are dead. Like they're they were scalded to death because that's that's like several hundred degrees steam in the I, face. I, I, I mean, they concussed uh, Ponzu. That's right. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like concussions and like people falling and things like that in this movie. You don't see any bodies. It's not like that's true. A decapitation, like in Princess Mononoke. Yeah, I think Mononoke is, is the only thing where we see people dismembered. Like, there's a there's like, a lot there's a lot of people that die, but this is like Saturday morning cartoon violence where they die, yes. but they just fell off the cliff and you never saw them land, so it's totally okay. Yeah, that general was fine. He landed in the ocean, swam away. They're sleeping. <laughs> They're all sleeping. Like exactly. those Ewoks. Uh, um, but um, the thing that I want to talk about, um, and this is getting kind of spoilish because it's the end of the movie, but um, when you get to Lapita and you just sort of like see the plants that go through the ruins and who are like all through the whole complex, like 
there's an impenetrable like sphere at the center that is also still full of roots and things. Um, and the kids are climbing around them like they're climbing on trees. Uh, and like that's where we get the main difference between um, Shita and Muska is that he's like, we're going to burn this. This is going away. Like, I'm just here to have the power. And she's just like, no, that's why we left. Because we weren't, we were like separating ourselves from what we needed. And we had to go back to the earth. And, and I think that was such like a clear contrast of like, even when you have like Dola and her gang, who are like these, these cartoonish bad guys who end up helping later, um, you get the diff. You see the difference between them and like Muska, who's just like out for what he wants and just is treat treats people like in uh, things like objects rather than living things. And and even Dola like understands and and sympathizes with the kids and helps them. She's like, we're we're pirates. Treasure hunting is what we do. What do you think Muska's gonna do when he's done with the girl? Yeah, he gonna kill his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Was that? Your, no, was killing that... cousins was a thing, but you know, um, I agree one hundred percent. And there's a couple of times where Miyazaki's signature environmentalism kind of poke its head out. At one point, Palm is talking about, "Well, this stone is from the earth, and it's put back in the earth." And then at the end, when she does destroy the technology, destroys every all of the weaponry and everything that is in uh, Laputa, uh, but the nature and it goes mm-hmm. off and yeah it's everything that we had built around it falls away yeah. but it's like i have the, we're gonna say the destruction spell and you're gonna say it with me and it's one word yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah mine was the garden um i liked when the the one remaining robot had shown up and had led them to basically the core and um you like Hugh had said it was an imp- impenetrable core, but nature found a way to get through to it. Get through it. It kind of overpowered it, stuff like that. Um, I liked how the one remaining robot was taking care of uh, nature, but was still paying tribute to those that had fallen by putting flowers on, you know, the little grave area. That was my high point. I, that was my favorite part. Uh, I love it. And, and there's also... there's a there's a statue of that robot on the ceiling garden of the Miyazaki Museum in Japan. Oh, that's awesome, nice. I was going to say You've I love there, the design. You? Yeah, of I, the I did go there when I was living in Japan, Dirty so I'll have to find my pictures of that. Oh, uh, I want to see those. You know. How how is the Miyazaki Museum as a whole? Uh, it it's kind of small, um, but there's like slot there's like cells everywhere. There um. It's a very cool looking building. You like see um, a lot of different Miyazaki stuff. They show they show little shorts. Um, so it was a, it was a neat little little um, bus ride out to like the suburbs of Kyoto to do that. Just gonna be on. <laughs> it's in it's in the cards. It's in the cards. I, I can't re- remember that... exactly. I may be confusing the location of the Miyazaki Museum with the Ramen Museum. Well, we have to go to that too. <laughs> the ramen like, museum? Why do you? Why do you? Why do you? Why would you not go to the ramen? Oh museum? yeah, the Momofuki Ando Memorial Ramen Museum that does have the shack he invented instant ramen in. Nice. It has the whole shack. Yeah, or at least a recreation of it. Nice. And and, and how are they? Uh oh, like at the end of the thing, you get to make your own ramen. Ah. Yeah. Why am I not like there? Like you make right your own now. cup ramen. Oh my god! To put all- this is why I don't. This is why I wouldn't leave Japan. Like I'm gonna again. You're gonna see a cloud of dust as I run off into the distance, forever lost in Akihabara. It's fine. 
Um, like Akihabara was okay. I felt Akihabara was big, but <laughs> my apartment in Japan was two weeks or in Osaka was about two blocks away from Den Den Town, which is the uh, Osaka equivalent, and that place was heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> for me, honestly, my favorite part is anytime Miyazaki gets to cut and have actual adventures. Like we say, this is for kids, and to be fair, it is. But there's gunfights, there's explosions, there's giant things being destroyed and broken apart and falling and scattering into a billion pieces as I hear the souls and the wrists of animators crying. But it's, as... no, it's no more violent. It's not gory. It's no, no more violent and shocking than the Saturday morning coons we grew up with. Right. And it's... Yeah, it is it, an adventure movie. Right. Right. And it, it brings to mind the fact that, you know, we talked about this tech when we, we were watching the movie. Um I put Miyazaki and Isao Takahata, the two animating geniuses behind Studio Ghibli, in the top three of my most influential animators when it comes to anime as we know it today, with the number one being Osama Tezuka, because he gave us the style, he gave us the look of what anime is today, <clears throat> but Miyazaki's... That's Astro Boy. Yes, he's the one who made Astro Boy, he did Phoenix, he's done... <clears throat> he done he's done a lot, and... but. but like, when you look at this movie, like, we always make the joke that animators die, but, like, seriously, like, Tech, when you mentioned the, the breaking up of Laputa, everything is moving. The water, the clouds, the parts of the thing that are breaking apart, the explosion, the roots, everything. Like, the cavern with uh, Uncle, oh, what's his face? The, the glowing rocks that look yeah. like stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, these are things that today would either be CGI'd or sent to an in-betweening company in Korea somewhere and done for pennies on the dollar, and it would have been fine, but it wouldn't be as beautiful, right? Like, this is why I say in this early point in time, Miyazaki just did not care. I think he I think he had something to prove, or he felt like he did. So he was going to take as much time as it needed. And once he got the clout behind his reputation, then we got to see things like okay, where he's basically just giving you an artistic artistic voyage through animation. Like he's just like, don't worry about it. I'm gonna show you how to do this. So his animation department, give or take. But um, in heyday of studio, they're rough. They're rough average ten minutes per month. So sixty people working full time are doing 10 minutes of and the one thing that thing is that covid has been a boon because people working home don't commute so they they put out more work and it's actually their productivity has gone up so even with increased productivity and the fact that you know classically they do 10 minutes of animation per month the movie that's in production right now which will be Miyazaki's last movie is averaging 1 minute per month and it's still, and, and he has confirmed, it is still hand-drawn. Hand-drawn, yep. hand coming out, coming out in July in Japan. Hmm. It's going to be insane. He is going to leave so, a body count like Godzilla. So what was it, the, what was to the To be fair, to be fair, the last two movies that Miyazaki has Ooh. made have been Miyazaki's no. last movie. So, yeah, I That's was gonna. I said. <laughs> But also, like, we Ponyo don't... was supposed to be his last movie, and then The Wind Rises was supposed to be his last movie, and neither of one of them was his last movie. But they right. were both great. They were. Oh yeah. So what was the what was the count? What was the count you guys said was on the animation cells for this? Something you said. And... So okay, so and we all agree, right, that this movie's beautiful, correct? Yes. Akira had a hundred 
160,000 animations. Yeah, but it was three hours long. Right like, yeah. like, like, just think about that. Like, okay. think of, like, just if, like, Miyazaki's giving you that quality on a third, basically, of the animation cell count, but also the same number of body count. There's 160,000 dead animators for this movie. Yeah, but that's, um, that's, that's, and I'm just looking up his name now. I'm not smart, but that's Katsuhiro Otomo looking at what Miyazaki's doing. He's like, no, we're going to do bigger. We're going to do better. We're going to do longer. We're going to do more. He had lasers. I want big lasers. Let's be honest, though. That slide of that motorcycle by Kaneda oh, is on. iconic. It's the greatest thing ever put to sell Castle in the Sky and Akira have the right, right. Two hours and four minutes. They both they have the exact same run but time. Triple the cell or a, 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 almost yeah. triple the. So how do you think that burns Otomo up? That Miyazaki because Akira like, does not look as good as Castle in the Sky. It, that ooh. one scene, everybody that shots fired. Everybody, shots fired. everybody loves that one scene, and we all duplicate it, and it's awesome. It's not nearly as beautiful. And here's the other thing. Did Castle in the Sky feel as long as Akira felt? No, everyone. Oh, no, no, I'll give you that. Well, okay. Give you that. Akira drags a bit. No, there's no longer. scene in Castle in the Sky where someone has to walk on broken glass. Or or someone's arm mutates into a psychically powered infused biomutant that is, is trying to absorb of, Tokyo. Um, ash and molten lava pieces getting flown all over with layers, but the, not to mention the cloud layers. There, there is a affected mob runs a bridge. He pulls out a laser gun through the mob and as a part just like that of Laputa yeah. the, the individual pieces of the of the yeah. of the city to earth yeah except it's body puff a bridge. But it's the it's the same level of yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm. Like, it, they did three times as Akira as Castle in the Sky, oof. and it's not because it's point. right. And, yeah. and you know, and I think, I think that just speaks to again the like Miyazaki's like, don't worry about it, dog. Sixty thousand cells. I'm gonna give you some of the most beautiful animation for the next oh, I don't know, decades, if not centuries of animation. Meanwhile, and Ultimo's what, like sixty thousand. No, no, a hundred sixty thousand. And Miyazaki's anybody, like, I'm still prettier. Anybody have any low points for Castle? Not. Not enough Ma. Like honestly, if Miyazaki Sola, said he, yeah. yeah, if mom if if Miyazaki finally said, guys, guess what? I finally got the go-ahead for Pippi Longstockings, and it was a story of Ma telling an old adventure story. I'm watching. I'm buying it. I've I'm in the theaters. Let's go. My low point the world, but I I I don't hate them. I find it, but there none stood out them onto more. So character Yeah, I think I, I think that's fair. Like Pazu and Shita kind of feel like they're a Link and a Zelda. Like, they're yeah, very much very uh, stock I, adventure characters. I, I will say um, Dola. I absolutely love Dola, and I do oh, want to see her Oh, she's the best character in adventures. the whole thing! Yes, oh, I yeah. do want more of Dola, 100%. I think my low point is, I. it wasn't until the very end that I understood why they cast Mark Hamill in the role because <laughs> oh, the whole time like i'd read this thing and it said that he was trying to do david hyde pierce through the whole and i was like well if you wanted david hyde pierce you get david hyde pierce and it wasn't until his evil laugh i was like did you hire him just for the evil laugh yeah and then at the end when 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 when, the, when muska goes full-blown joker for the last 10 minutes like, yeah, that's like, why you hired mark hamill yeah and let's, no one flips out quite like mark hamill let's be honest and mark hamill listen if they told me every Ghibli movie from now on was going to have a role for Mark Hamill, I'm with it. Because he's done, him and Patrick Stewart, if I'm not, I think, 
uh, Mark Hamill's done at least two because he was in Nausicaa, he was in this, and I know Patrick Stewart was in Nausicaa. I can't remember if he's done another one or not, but I think Mark Hamill's the the only repeat other than like, voice actor. Like, Tress McNeil? Yeah, Tress McNeil. Like, those, like, the smaller... Tr- but, but, yes, he was the cat in both of them. Yeah, he so was he's the cat. Right. Um, because, because, again, that was the... Uh, honestly... I, do you think Miyazaki's trying to make his own version of the Leiji verse? He's trying to make the Miyazaki verse well, because he's, not he's in tied a lot. The Disney dub. True, but he is in charge of like. Remember uh, the heart, re- the 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 was it the heart returns or, or, or no, the the cat Whisper, returns oh, and the, the Whisper of the Heart yeah. are the same universe because the cat is in both. Right, and then, and then you see the connections between this and Nausicaa, and if I'm not mistaken, the Kudama are referenced in a way. I, th- um, I think that there are actors in the Japanese, but mm-hmm. it's not fair to say that, especially because, well, even even the Disney English dubs, Disney has a way of pulling their favorite people projects. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> closer, closer, closer. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's Miyazaki's not casting those English actors. So a lot of times I say, be good for this and who's hot, right? Like Kristen Dunst was key. Kristen Dunst was hot. And Anna Paquin did it with, and she was hot. Things like that. When they, like they, Claire Danes. Yes, um, exactly. Okay. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, it was Christian Bale and, oh gosh. By the way, that's Christian Bale's greatest, like, hands down. I screw the machinist. Not, like, Howell is the, his best. The thing that really gets me is that because he was in the middle of all those Batman movies when he was, when he did the dub, is that he doesn't use his voice, his accent. He uses an American accent. And then the yeah. book, Howell was Welsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, but Howl's Moving Castle veers way away from the book, so yeah. we're not even going to get into that. I, I I was thinking of Gene Simmons, um, but Sophie had two voice actors. I wasn't thinking, of, yeah. So I I don't think that we can really. Um, and then I get the other downside was. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? At least James Vanderbeek's getting that Ghibli money, right? Like at least at least he's getting that Disney money because. Outside because of the what? He's not getting paid for his show being nonstop in syndication. Are you kidding me? I mean, he like, never has to work again. He got Dawson money. Yeah, that is true. Like to be fair, being on Dawson's Creek, I would say is the same gravitas of money as being on a Law and Order show. That's folding I, money. I, I will tell you. No, we... it's, sorry, it's not even comparable because he was the main actor for like six or however long ever. Well, at this point, I think Dick Wolf is just a robot that is churning out different Law right, and Order but, shows. But Law and Order is just a one and done kind of it for most people. Even their main characters are how are are replaced after a years. Um, so. Unless you're Ice T. <laughs> I, I will tell you, doing some very quick uh, Japanese, it's just like the Japanese voice cast of this movie is royalty. The actor, uh, the actress that did uh, Patsu, yeah, that's Luffy from One Piece. Nice. Uh, the actress that did Shita um, is also Dorami from Doraemon. Um, okay, well, they've got folding money because Doraemon, yeah. like Doraemon is basically the boy equivalent to Hello Kitty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Colonel Muska is um, uh, like he was one of the common writers, wasn't he? Uh, Ultraman. Ah. Oh, oh, so he's definitely got folding money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, uh, G- uh, General Muro uh, was known as a translator, but he did voices all the way back to the original Mobile Suit Gundam and Astro Boy. 
Um, people never need for anything. It's wait, fine. wait. He was doing characters. He was doing. He was doing animated characters in '94. Something called Big X Cyborg 909. Oh, uh, Cyborg. Oh, nine, wow. wow. Cyborg 009. Wow. So yeah, so he's so definitely that, that's that Ichiro Nagai. Um, we, like royalty signed up to do this movie for uh for Miyazaki. So it's not just the English cast; the Japanese cast is. I we're gonna have to watch these with the just the subs on to hear the Japanese yeah. cast because the the, the 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 voice acting cred he's got. In, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, the I will say that the original voice actors are outstanding. Yeah, like, if you, I mean, let's be real here. Like, if you get a voice actor who was one of the Ultramen, if you get a voice actor who was doing, you know, anime, you know, back in the day when Cyborg 009 was relevant, like, to the anime fans, it's still relevant, or at least OG anime. But, like, these are, like, this, now you see why he sent the samurai sword to, 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 to Weinstein. Because you don't just throw any voice into a Ghibli Mm -hmm. movie. Like, there has to be people like I think this is one of the things that I think a lot of modern animation has figured out is that if you want voice actors to be good, you need to get really good over the top actors, right? Like it can't just be a really good actor because sometimes they need the set, the scene, the people, the atmosphere to get well, their performances. They need to be able to convey everything with just the right. Um, but um, so I want to I want to know, Jen, what are your low? So the low points I had in this one, I had one at the very end. So we finally meet the dad of all these workers on this, on Ma's ship or whatever. And in the very end, he was so upset just because he had lost his ship. <laughs> what? I mean, that's like, all he had. He, he had to hide from Ma somehow. You didn't think Kamagi the Boiler Man could, could wrangle in Pippi Longstockings? No. He didn't even it sleep in stash. her bedroom. He slept in the engine room. Yeah, but, yeah like he's happen. the engineer and she's the captain and that's their relationship. And they've adopted that, all of these children to be air pirates. That is a marriage of convenience so that you can hide your assets, a.k.a. your airship, from your ex-wife in a divorce proceedings. That's what but, that is. Ma, I'm marrying say, you. Shut up. Don't say nothing. I will say this, though. They do hit that she does care for him because when he's upset, yeah. she goes, I'll buy you a new one. Yeah. I'll buy you a new one. A you better had, one. And you he had, had be- the bling. Oh, yeah. The, oh, oh yeah. At the end where the pirates are like, well, I smuggled out a rock. I smuggled out one, too. And me, too. And there's the ship's engineer with, like, ten a rings fist. on. Mm-hmm. He looks like Michael Jordan at a championship counting screen. Like, exactly. He's like, he's like, she's like, like uh, I'll buy you another one. A better one. Um. Yeah, like what? she's got she's got the uh, like handful of gemstones, and behind her the whole crew's just like holding like crowns and like jeweled belts and stuff. So one thing that I, I'm curious, Hugh, uh, what might be different for the Japanese version? So at least in the English version, they everybody called her Ma. She called them her boys, but very clearly they were not all her biological children. So, well, no, at least one of them was like South Asian and one of them was black. So, yeah, yeah, there were quite a few that were different, different races. So they there, be there's adopted. an international conglomeration well, of air pirates. I think so that I just goes think, back like, to the whole thing. If you Pippi join thing. the crew, you're in the family, is just how it's sort of. Yeah. yeah, and I think Jen's right. I, I, I you know, because he was an orphan or picked up orphans or whatever. And I kind of feel like, oh, no, if I'm a pirate with a crew, I'm running it as a family. So I feel like, yeah, if you join the crew, you're getting adopted. Yeah, and right. 
you know, and, and that's they, sort of the whole thing that that like Ma and Pa like say when they're having the chess game. It's like you know they're not joining up, right? Like they they're never gonna like respect you. Yeah, and like, and that, that's not what this is about. <laughs> yeah, and I and oh no, what's really great is that like I think this is a probably a really mature kind of story beat throughout. Is that you know Shita is like. I don't want you to become a pirate for me. And he's like, I don't care about being a pirate. I'm, I want to discover this thing for both of us. And that's why I think that chess match is so great because he's like, you know, as much as we love them, they're not going to, they're not made for this. But to be fair, they are both orphans. Shita and mm-hmm. Patsu are both orphans. Yep. And it, it fits the mold. And I, I just really like that because one of the things that is prevalent with Pippi Longstocking's story is that Pippi Longstocking is a hero to the weak and and protects those yeah. around her. And she thinks of them as siblings and friends. And I just think, again, it just, it's Miyazaki representing this character he's always wanted to do very, very, very well. I, in, in, no. So she right. she wrote a strong female character a strong, that could get through anything. Yeah, a strong nine year old girl. These amazing. She's the daughter of a pirate and wrote this. The wrote three novels to. Uh, That's awesome. Maybe um, long stocking said a cab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that while they didn't join, you know, Ponzu and Sheeta didn't join the crew, they definitely were adopted. And by the end of that, you knew mm-hmm. that they were because mom's without them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, and also, I think it's also a part is that they've shown the respect. Like, Sheeta's not a damsel in distress. Like, Sheeta, nope. as we saw in the very beginning, Sheeta will choose violence. Like, she will concuss you to get back what is taken from her. So, Muska instantly gives her a new outfit, which is a less practical outfit, Princess Rose. He even and says then, that this is more suitable for a princess. Yeah. And then Dola, it was like, that's not going to work. Here's some pants. <laughs> right. But also, hammer pants. On an airship where you have to walk outside, not safe. Not, not, not safe good, at not all. Not a good idea. That's not. what leggings are for, man. We're going skin tight on this one. And um, it's the 1800s. It goes back with the whole Pippi thing theme too, though, because Pippi yeah. hated dresses. She was, yeah. It Pippi is. was a was an uber top. Like Pippi, not, no, Pippi, Pippi wanted pockets. Yes, he wanted pockets. Girls only pockets. want one thing. Click here to pockets. find out what it is. It's pockets. pockets. Yeah, pockets. girls only. What was that? Sorry, it was girls only want one thing. It starts with a P and ends with an S. I think it is. It's not what you think it, it is. is. It's pockets. pockets. Um, but there's a scene when they're aboard Laputa and the tiger moth gets captured and all the pirates captured and Matsu makes way back the. The pirates are, you know, going through the mm. cobbles and he comes up and he pulls out a knife and he's cutting the, the bonds of Dola and then ha- hands her the knife and, and then accepts right then and there. Yep. Because it's, hold on, I got something for you. And she has a complete grenade launcher and ammunition stuck in her into her stockings. <laughs> and yeah. this is why we wear big pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we wear big pants. Big guns. So, it's the um, best scene in the movie. Like, it's one of the best scenes in the movie because... It's it's like here you'll need this clunk clunk. Dangerous to go, go alone. alone. <laughs> so, uh, Tech, earlier you said that you would like to play a video game in this world, and Heck I'm yeah. going to tell you that you can because there are a lot of video games that were directly influenced by this movie. So why don't you just play Final Fantasy VI, or why don't you just play Again? <laughs> Bioshock <laughs> Infinite? Okay. Or 
Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yes. Or, Tears of the Kingdom's know, coming out in four months. Ooh. Any of the Mario games with their airships. Yes. This is all steampunk and diesel punk. These are all the things direct inspired. How I, about I love... Mega Man Legends? Mega Never Man played Legends. Really I, I Mega Man Legends? Like, the voice actors for uh, Hazu and Shita were actually the Japanese voice actors yes. for, for, for uh, rock and roll in that. Um, yep. Mega Man Legends, is that the one with the awful dub for perfect? He's got the horrible lip. Uh, it's the one where it's the post-apocalyptic island. Okay. It's like the 3D one. Yeah, because they, 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 they had a voice actor that came, <laughs> which is like the, the villain. It's Professor Waiwi. Waiwi? There are so many video games that have been influenced by this. There are so many uh, books and movies and animation comics because this just added fire to And I love, you know, a few years ago, Okay, more than a few years ago, steampunk was getting very big and everybody was acting as a brand new thing. And people kept saying, this is not new. This is not adding. So Mm. on that note, I want to get, how about you? Well, like I said, like I said, all of my knock, I don't build up, I go down. So the only thing this movie is the two things I've noted so far is that one, the soundtrack, the emotion, but like there's not any one songs that I'm going to go out humming. Um, Design. A little flat for me, at least mm-hmm. that the side characters were well more developed than the main were pan. No, they were bland. They were generic. They um, have a lot. They were of, definitely yeah. They were definitely a generic sense, and I understand that from a storyteller. But I watched this, and everything else this movie got so right. Hey, it's one of those rare Ghibli movies that actually has a gosh darn ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's also one of my low points. I'm sorry. They, this proves this and Nausicaa proves they knew how to do endings and then they made movies without <laughs> they just endings. Stop figuring it hey, out. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Spirits in a Way had an ending. Kiki had an ending. Look, with as long as it takes to draw these things, they have a yeah. deadline. <laughs> if they don't get it done by the deadline, so like, well. Sir, there's only Spirited three Away of us. Heavenly has an ending. There's only three of us left, sir. We can't draw the ending. I'll do it myself. He puts on this Ghibli Infinity Gauntlet. Like. <laughs> So, um, so with that, I will give this eight out of ten white and pink pirates. Eight out of ten white and I, I wanted to love this movie as soon as I saw that it was a steampunk air sheen ninety p long stocking thinks it's alien and black magic type thing. I really wanted this to be my. F- I don't hate it, don't love it, but I really. Love it. Jen, I am actually giving this one. It actually held my attention really well, which is hard for movies. Um, except when we paused the movie and then I was just kind of irritated. So we did that a lot. We did that a lot. lot. So it's amazing that you. you... So this movie, I'm going to have to give this one an Mm 8.5. Um, just because like was earlier said, you don't really love the characters except for Dula. I really did love her. Um, it, it's got a lot of aspects to it that I actually did love. Uh, the whole nature versus, uh, mechanics. I loved that part of it. The drawing, the dragon lightning bolts. I thought that was a great touch, especially since in the subtitles, it was considered the dragon's lair. Um, so I'm going to give this an 8.5 uh, bricks from a broken ceiling. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, my God. We didn't talk about the fact that that Patsu is immortal. <laughs> There's I... a lot of the slapstick in there, and it's a lot of it is around like Patsu and like Particularly the two of the pirates that we see the most, like yeah. Louis and Henry. I think yeah. he's a Saiyan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Jason, 
I will say I would give for the fact that I'm a sucker for connected worlds, and I love the fact that we had the Jolteons, and we had (laughs) he's calling it what it is, and we had the and we had the robots, and we had the people of Laputa, but also we had you know Kamagi the Boilerman as Pippi Longstocking's husband. Also, let's be real. Dola does have the facial features of Yubaba and Zeniba from Spirited Away. I'm just say, a sucker for that. I was a little disappointed in the robot angel little mushrooms and the mushrooms growing on him that we didn't get um, the little mushroom domo rat. Oh, the Kudama. Yeah, yeah the Kudama. that was a decade before they were they showed up for the first time. Yeah. So. Yeah. so I will. So I will give this an eight point five out of ten squats when you're carrying a girl who floated from the sky. <laughs> Because <laughs> man, man, the the, ha- the that one scene when when she falls for the first time, he's up on the machine on the mining rig fixing it. He's on a springboard at the end of a platform, mm-hmm. and he picks up an eighty pound girl, and then just clean squats her from like a from a dead low position all the way up. He's never waver, never quivers. This boy's got hamstrings made out of steel cable. That's I, I, that's. If he can stay healthy, that's a future Yokozuna. That was just a lot. Yeah. To, yes, future Yokozuna. That was Miners just are tough. a lot to type into my spreadsheet here, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I am actually going to disagree with most of you. <laughs> and I am a 9.4 adult pippy get it um, <laughs> out of 10. Wait, 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 wait. What about the redheaded uh, miner's wife? Oh, she could get Who's it too. Blonde? I like well, her too. Oh, I love her. Redheaded. Like... Louis? She has like three lines and they're all perfect. When she says, like, I'm not mending that. I'm not mending yeah, she's that. like, who's going to have to fix that shirt? Yeah, yeah. You mean you mean Ginger Welsh Louisa from Encanto? What? Yes, absolutely. Hey, but I um, will say I will say this. Though. She says she's not going to mend it, but she didn't stop him from ripping it. She's like, no, she's no. like no, you're going to punch this dude into submission for this little but girl that we don't know. She's taller than that miner that's out in the, the pirate gang. It's like, this is a six-foot Irish lass with a frying pan as a weapon. The answer to anything she says is yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's why, yes, she, ma'am. Didn't get, that's why she didn't get into the fight. Because if she got into the fight, Dola would have had to fight. They would have had, had, yeah, had to go down with the two of them. I score all of the jibbo do I feel when I'm done and how much joy is present. And for me, this is pretty joyful. Um, I, I gave it a 9.4 because I have more joy from this than The Wind Rises. But I wanted it, I love it a little less than The Secret World of Arietic. So that's where it's fitting in my my ranking. How does this compare to Ponyo? Ponyo's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, so what's the... What is joy the, in your heart. What is... What are the rankings? Because it's been a minute. How? What have Who's we the highest? Who's the lowest? So yeah. this movie, uh, cumulatively, and we still got to get Hugh's score, but cumulatively, it has an 8.6, um, which puts it below Kiki. Uh, sorry, just above Kiki. Yeah, just... Uh, uh, but we uh, haven't got Hugh's score yet. Yeah, we haven't gotten mm-hmm. his score yet. It's below T- Totoro. It's below Spirited Away. It's below Ponyo. Ham. We're on track. It's above just one one point above my neighbor, the Yamadas. Um, it is uh, below Arietti. Rightful. Uh, and um, the wind rises. And um, Zen Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Oh, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies was so cool. Oh, um, Hugh. Again, this is my favorite Studio Ghibli movie. Like it has not. Like it is made at a by hand. It was made 
before some of the improved, like the technical achievements of some of his later movies. Um, but I, this is my favorite movie. I think it has like the most heart, the most adventure. Like it's it's fun all the way through, even when there's scary parts. Like even the stuff where like the big like military castle that is also uh, camouflaged like incongruously. Uh, so like everything in this movie feels whimsical and fun, even when it's like even when it starts to get dark, it finds that light on the other side. So I am going to give this 9.9 pitiful robots. Aww. Aww. What, what does it lose the point one for? What prevents this from being a perfect? Uh, I have not heard the, um, you know, the, Eng- the improved score. So like that, that original dub is like, or that original score is very um, spare and synthy um, okay. as opposed to the later scores. So it does, yeah. I suppose, lose the point for that. Okay. And- it doesn't, and honestly, the synth, it doesn't lean into it. Like, Nausicaa, that's an 80s movie. That's a movie that has an mm-hmm. 80s soundtrack. Like, Commando, Predator, you know, those movies have those type of soundtracks. Like, Akira. Nos- yeah, Akira. Like, they have that type of soundtrack. And Nausicaa doesn't have that. It's okay. I, I enjoy that opening theme. I also enjoy the people call here. But again, Joe Hisashi is basically the, um, oh gosh, uh, John Williams of anime. So that brings us to a 9.3 with Hugh has brought that average up and um, that puts us on par for Ponyo. There's the same as Ponyo. And it features Ponyo. Yes, uh, (laughs) but it is still below uh, from Poppy up on Poppy Hill, Totoro, Zen, Spirited Away. I mean, and, and let's be honest. Spirits in a way got him the Oscar, so mm-hmm. it should be up there. Um, and I think Totoro's the only one that got a perfect, right? Totoro and Zen. And Zen. Which yeah. is a short, and it's the only short in right. the Still counts. Yeah. Still and counts. I think and yeah. And and but <laughs> I you, will... have you have you seen I have not seen it. I need to find it. Like I know it's I have Disney, it's on Disney I need to look it up. Yeah. Yep. It's it's quite good. It's three minutes long and it, um it's Disney doing what Disney needs to do more. Which is spooshing their universes together. Smooshing. When it's like, what would happen if Grogu met a bunch of soot sprites? So I, I did love um, visions. So I am that is like right in the you know Venn diagram of stuff made for me. So I will definitely check that out. Um, I do want to say before we sign off, um, I forgot a little trivia tidbit, is that the castle in the sky was inspired by Paranello Park, a castle built. Um, and it, it in um, far north Queensland, Australia. And when you visit that park, um, the theme from Castle in the Sky is the castle. Oh, cool. Well, so it's like it was inspired by, and now it's that. Our next film is The Tale of Princess Kaguya. So, what do you think that's about? Eh? That's what? the moon princess story from Sesame Street, thing else. Um, and it's a sad one. Right, because when I watched that episode of Sesame Street, when Tokyo, when Big Bird goes to Tokyo and there's the moon princess whose shadow walks across the moon, it scared the willies out of six year old little Techie. And now you want to watch me, now you want me to watch an entire Ghibli movie based on the very very scary moon princess. Well, we got it because that the moon's the one that collected all of the tanuki from Pompoko and t- No, they just floated away into the sunset on their magical golden boat. Our, uh-huh. our you go budget. ahead and keep believing that, Techie. Jen. <laughs> <laughs>
Listen. No words in gin. I am. <laughs> they're not. Uh, the two movies that are not the top of my list, but I, I, I respect them in a very, very good way are these magnum opuses. And I will say that Wind Rises was Miyazaki's magnum opus. And I will say that Kaguya was Isao Takahata's miss. I know a lot of people would say Grave of the Fireflies, but it, that was one of his early works. Kaguya, yep. Kaguya. And, and, and we talked about this when we, when we, when we did, um, uh, the, my neighbors, the Yamadas, they both had my neighbors, the Yamadas and spirits of the way had the same budget and he got, wow. yeah, spirits of the way and, and my neighbors, the Yamadas had the same budget and you get two different animation feels from them, but they are, they, they are diametrically opposite, like details and food and like some of the best food in all of anime is in spirits of the way, but some of the most minimalistic art and intimacy is in my neighbors the Yamadas. Grandma in the back alley fighting bikers. But the thing (laughs) that surprises me is that we have this idea that uh, Takahata is always the sad stuff, but my neighbor the Yamadas is Takahata. It's his own, honestly, it's the happiest thing he's ever done. Yeah. Oh, okay, so if Mark was happy. Yeah. Because Pompoko traumatized Jin. (laughs) This is true. Pompoko is beautiful. I, I, I watched, um, Grave of the Fireflies, and I couldn't eat like hard fruit candy for years. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we are going to say yeah. thank you. Uh, what are your thoughts of Castle in the Sky? And uh, if you've got some fun anecdotes about we... the bad translation for that t- castle's name, I'd love to. Also, then, can you thank the patrons? Yes. Patrons. Also, letter bombs, because I only scored this in 8 out of 10, but this happened to be your favorite movie growing up, can be sent to the regular hey, address. Tech. Go ahead. Hey, Tech, there's no there's no 13-year-olds in the audience. You're good. Oh, You're man. Good. No, there may be. We haven't released it yet. There's no 13-year-olds live on the call, Ralph. On that note, while you're doing that, on that day when I gave that review and I scored that movie low and we had some storm outs in the audience, I have to give a massive shout-out and thank you to my boy, Hugh, because when I stormed out, Hugh's first words to me were, are you okay? What do you need? So thank you very much for looking out for me. It's This isn't funny. This is dead serious. Hugh was there looking out for me because I was in a place of utmost rage. No, that came out a little later. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that, that was not yeah. that second recording. Yeah, that was because a Because I was thing. still carrying, I think I was still Ooh, carrying yeah. the rage from that, uh, from that Mononoke review into the second recording that day. But Hugh, you were there that day. You looked out for me still, even though my memory is obviously hazy of that day. Yes, yes I, I got your back. Tech. Like, I love you. I respect your opinions, even when they're wrong. I'll be here for you. That's fair. That's That's fine. Uh, But we also, because Jason wants us to thank the patrons before I hang up instead of doing it later, we are going to thank the patrons who keep the lights on and keep us going. And uh, so we do want to spend a special to our top tier Big Daddy uh, Jax, thank you so much. And to our Thanks, other big, daddy. big daddies, which are, that's not the name of the tier, but that's what they've called it. Uh, thank you to Jason and Rich. The- Thanks, and to our, hey, Rich. Patron- to the patrons of the arts. Thank you to Kaylin, Mark Cabot, the incaffeinated one, Melissa, the bathtub mermaid. Yeah. That's why he wants me to read it. Mm-hmm. He just likes the mm-hmm. mermaid. Yeah, you can stop <laughs> after that. <laughs> no, no, I can't. That's rude. Also, we need to that thank so Susanna rude. 
And we need to thank our core of patrons, those that are really the lifeblood, the ones that, you know, the, the, the smaller amounts are what keep a Patreon going. It's it's a strange thing, but when you only have one or two patrons, there's not much action going on. But when you have a lot, even at the lower amounts, that's when things... Uh, so I do want to thank all of them, and they many of whom have been around since... To, okay, he hasn't been around since being in, but he's been around. Uh, former guest, thank you, Cliff, the Uncle Munst, Grig, Harold, hey, Hugh, Hugh to Hugh, uh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Crazy Joe Adventures... Mike, uh, PCAT, The Radical Geek, Shane, Steven, Will, and Zach Van. Thank you so much, guys. We love you. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42.